This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. saints thank you because every shackle on the mind and every shackle every chain that has held anybody bound there will be deliverance today in the name of Jesus thank you Lord because all that has held your people down you will deliver us from them this morning in the name of Jesus father we thank you for competence to teach your word properly and accurately Thank you for open hearts to receive your word with meekness. Thank you for needs met. Thank you for your power revealed in our midst. So you'll be all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we have a seat this morning? Good morning, everybody. Praise God. We have an interesting topic to talk about today. And we'll be talking about the topic of generational curses. Hallelujah. It's, a, it's an interesting topic, but I got inspiration to teach about it. And I feel it will be um, beneficial to everybody. It has, this message will have value for encouragement. It will have value in terms of deliverance um, and it will also have value in terms of exegesis of the scriptures hallelujah it will be of exegetical value so um, I believe God that you'll be blessed today in the name of Jesus so as usual it will it will do you well to pay attention so that you can benefit maximally from it. Um, I have a little bit to, to, to say, so I don't know if we can't finish it today. We'll continue next week, um, Sunday. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about generational curses. In our context, especially in Africa, in Nigeria, there's a strong um, sentiment or a strong belief system that you know, it's, a, it's a belief system that is prevalent, and that is that evil can occur in a person's life by virtue of their um, biological connection to someone as a, as a child. Praise God. You know, people, there's this prevailing mentality or mindset that because a person, because you're a child of someone, you can inherit certain kind of evil that flows in that genealogy. So, and there seems to be some kind of um, experiential, you know, anecdotal evidence for this. You see a whole bunch of people, at least a critical mass of people, who have noticed that a certain kind of bad luck tends to follow them in their family lineage hallelujah you notice that some kind of evil happened to their parents 
some kind of suffering happened to their parents and then um, it happened to their grandparents and then they also see it in their lives. Hallelujah. I want uh, the teaching today is going to really clarify and really sort it out so that people can also think about it you know, more clearly and more accurately and then we can see how people can be delivered from whatever that thing is. Now, irrespective of before going to the message, irrespective of where you stand right now, I, you, you have to first appreciate that um, in one way or another, this is an issue for people. Praise God. This is an issue for people. If people have experiences whereby they notice that certain kind of evil things happen in their parents' lives and it's beginning to happen in their lives, and despite all they are doing, it's like as if that thing is not, is not stopping. Right? As if that thing is not stopping. Praise God. We have to actually look into God's word and study and see what does God's word say about this kind of um, phenomenon? What does God's word say about this kind of occurrences? What does this mean? That a person can be cursed due to the kind of genealogy that they come from. Hallelujah. So I'll start by first explaining from the get-go that when we think of generational curses, there are basically two things that people refer to by generational curses. One is generational judgment, right? And the other is generational enchantment. So general ju generational judgment is when a person is being punished for the sins that their ancestors committed. So when a person commits a sin and then all their children and their children's children are made to also suffer the punishment of that sin, that is one way that people refer to generational curse. So people will say, my great-grandfather did something and then someone cursed him because he did that thing. And because of then, everybody in our family has been suffering so and so and so thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Church, all together. Do you understand that? Then there is also the idea of generational enchantment. This is just not necessarily that the person has the person's ancestor did something wrong, but this is just the belief that um, the ancestor did not do anything wrong, but somebody laid some kind of enchantment or you know hoodwinked them or did some kind of spell on them, and everybody in that genealogy ever since has been inheriting that um, enchantment, so to speak. So we're going to look into God's word. And what does God's word say about these two things? These two ideas of what it, what it means to be cursed generationally. Hallelujah. These two ideas of what it means to be cursed generationally, a genealogy to be cursed, what does it really mean from God's word? Hallelujah. So first of all, let's do a, let's do a study. Let's look into the scriptures. And let's look at let's do a study of what about generational judgments. Hallelujah. And these are some of the scriptures that people use to um, teach people that what is happening in their lives could be a result of a generational judgment. So, you know, people have seen things happen in their lives and they go for some kind of deliverance, and then someone tells them that see, someone in your ancestry did something wrong, and this is the punishment for what they did. Hallelujah. What does God's word say about generational judgment? What does God's word really say about generational judgment? Hallelujah. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20. 
Exodus chapter 20. Let's start from verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Hallelujah. So, if you look at verse 5, emphasis on verse 5, look at what it says. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents. Can you note that in your notes? Take note of that. So, that clause is, you know, is appears on the surface to be an to be evidence that God can punish innocent children for the sins of guilty parents. Hallelujah. Mark my use of words. On the surface, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents. Sounds like God can punish an innocent child for the sins of a guilty parent. Do you understand that? Have you noted that? Hallelujah. Um, in book of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9 to 10, the laws of the first 10 laws were reiterated. So if you check Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9 to 10, you know, the book of Deuteronomy is a recapitulation of the laws of Moses written in Exodus. Hallelujah. So if you see it, you see that the, this was repeated again. Hallelujah. Let's look at other evidence for this. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. From verse 6. So the story of Exodus chapter 34 is the same story, is the continuation of the story of the golden calf, right? It's the same story from chapter 32. The we I think we read it um two Sundays ago, right? These guys went and made a golden calf because they had not Moses had not come down from the top of the mountain. Hallelujah. So when he came down, Moses was furious with them and he broke the stone tablets. Praise God. So in chapter 34, in chapter 32 and chapter 33, all those that were guilty were um, given capital punishments. They were um, killed. And then in verse 34, God is asking Moses to chisel out the Ten Commandments again on tablets of stone. Hallelujah. So it was still in the same context of their idolatry. Do you understand that? In the same context of the idolatry, verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Hallelujah. So, the Exodus chapter 20 
command that God punishes children for the sins of the parents is in the context of idolatry. And that is what is being recapitulated again. Praise God. So after the idolatry of worshipping the golden calf, you know, God is speaking to them and he says that he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Hallelujah. So, on the surface again, please make sure you listen to the end of this message. Make sure you listen. <clears throat> so on the surface again, it appears that God, because of idolatry, God is punishing children, innocent children, for the sin of their parents. Hallelujah. More evidence, Numbers chapter 14. You see, this issue of generational cause is something that can be subconscious in your heart. Whereby you can be saying with your mouth, I believe believer's authority, I believe in what God has done, I believe what Jesus has done. But somewhere in your subconscious, your heart still op- is still open to the idea that you're, you are suffering for something your parents did. That what is in your life, no matter how hard you try, something evil is going to happen in your life because of something that your parents did. And so that's why dealing with this issue is something where you must go deep and assess the scriptures such that there will be no corner for lies to hide. We must shine the light of God's word on every nook and cranny of these scriptures so that you know, that subconscious feeling of generational cross cannot hide anywhere. Praise God. Do you understand that? Are you with me? Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth words generation. Hallelujah. You see that again? Jeremiah chapter 32. Verse 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents or for the parents' sins into the laps of their children. After them, great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty. So you say that again. He says it brings the punishment of the parents' sins into the laps of the children. So on the surface, it appears that the prophets are saying unequivocally, without any kind of again saying, that children can be punished for something that the parents did. There is no running away from it. Hallelujah. But if you can expand your mind, there is one question to ask first. Or there are two questions to ask, ask based on what is being said here. Is he saying the children are innocent? One. Number two, what exactly is the sin that the parents commit that the children are suffering for? Hallelujah. What exactly is the sin that the parents are did that the children are suffering for? Two questions we need to answer 
Number one, are the children innocent? Number two, what is the sin that the parents committed that the children are going to suffer for? Hallelujah. So it appears as if God is judging innocent children for the sins of guilty fathers. So those two questions that we ask, we need to answer them now. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? Now, Jeremiah chapter 31. This same Jeremiah that we just read now. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 29. In those days, people will no longer see the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on end, on edge. In those days, people will no longer say that the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So, how many people have better eaten um, sour lemon before? You've eaten it before. You know the way to shock your teeth, right? So, there was a saying in Israel at the time, in the exile, after they had gone on exile, that we are suffering for what our parents did. So they were saying our parents committed sin against God, but we are the ones suffering it. So it became a sin in Israel at the time. It's not God that said it. This sin is a sin of Israel. Do you understand that? So this sin was popular in Israel, that we will eat sour lemon. Our own teeth will not shock, but it's our children's teeth that will not be shocking. Do you understand? That is like, transgenerational <laughs> shocking of teeth. Hallelujah. So, Jeremiah is saying that in those days they will no longer say it. So, does that mean that God is about, God is changing his mind that there was a time when God was punishing parents for um, children, innocent children for the parents' faults. Is it that God is changing his mind now? Look at verse 30. Instead, Everyone will die for their own sins. Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. So, maybe God is changing his mind. Hallelujah. Maybe God is changing his mind. Maybe there was a time when God would punish children, innocent children for their parents' faults, right? And then God now wants to change his mind so that they will no longer say it. So, there was a time when it was okay to say it, but now they will no longer see it. Are we together, church? Ezekiel chapter 18. Is God changing his mind? We're going to read the whole chapter. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So God is questioning Israel. Why will you say this? Why do you say this? Ezekiel chapter 18. Why will you say this? God is questioning Israel. Why will you say this kind of thing? Verse 3. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parents as well as the child. 
both alike belong to me the one who sins is the one who will die so god begins to say as surely as i live so god is saying i did not change my mind this is who i am i did not change my mind this is who i am i am i'm not telling you that somebody will sin, suffer for another person's sin he's saying the one who sins is the one who will die <laughs> hallelujah it's the same lord though what is going on is god schizophrenic is god changing his mind you know it's one thing to say jesus has changed the law but this is not jesus has changed the law this is the same law and the prophets are we together verse 5 suppose there is a righteous man who does what is just and right he does not eat at the mountain shrine or look to the idols of israel he does not defile his neighbor's wife or have sexual relations with a woman during her period. He does not oppress anyone, but returns what he took in pledge for a loan. He does not commit adultery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing to the naked. He does not lend to them at interest or take profit for them. He withholds his hands from doing wrong and judges fairly between two parties. He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. The man is righteous. He will surely live, declares the sovereign Lord. So, the man, God says, the man that is righteous will surely live. So, that means that if I am righteous and my parents did evil, I will surely live. <laughs> but what did you mean by Exodus 20 and Exodus 34 and Numbers 14 and Jeremiah 32? Does this not seem incoherent? Verse 10. Suppose he has a violent son. See, suppose he has a violent son who sheds blood or does any of these evil things. Though the father has done none of them, he eats at the mountain shrines, he defiles his neighbor's wife, he oppresses the poor and the needy, he commits robbery, he does not return what he took in pledge, he, took, he looks to the idols, he does detestable things, he lends at interest and takes a profit. Will such a man live? He will not. Because he has done all these detestable things, he is to be put to death, his blood will be on his own head. So if a righteous man gives birth to his son that does evil, it is that son that will suffer. Are we together? You can see it's like it's debunking everything that we read earlier. Let's go on. But suppose this son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits and though he sees them, he does not do such things. Do you see that? So if a man, a righteous man gives birth to his son and the son is evil, the evil will be on the son's head. Now, if that evil one gives birth to his son and that son is righteous, what will happen to that son? See? This grandson, that is the grandson, are we together? He does not eat at the mountain shrines or look to the idols of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor's wife. He does not oppress anyone or require a pledge for a loan. He does not commit robbery. He, does, he gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing to the naked. He withholds his hands from mistreating the poor. He takes no interest or profit from them. He keeps my laws and follows my decrees. He will not die for his father's sins. He will not die for his father's sins. He will surely live. Ha! This seems like a contradiction in the same law and the prophets. So when people say things like, um, it's because of Jesus that we are no more suffering for what we have, what our father did, you are wrong. It has always been from the old. We are going back. Just hold on. 
But his father will die for his own sin because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother and did what was wrong. Yet you ask, why does the son not share the guilt of the father? So, this saying that the son should share the guilt of the father is an assumption of the people. It is the people that want children, innocent children, not the words, innocent children to suffer for the sins of the guilty father. Since the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to keep all my secrets, he will surely live. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parents, nor will the parents share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. No gain sin. Unequivocal. Every man will eat their own words breakfast. Everybody will eat their own words breakfast. So, what did the scriptures mean by what is said earlier? If you go down the scriptures, God even went on to say that if a person is wicked and repents, guess what? They will be forgiven. Let's read it. Verse 21. But if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps on my decrees and does what is just and right, the person will surely live, they will not die. So not only will a person not be judged for their parents' sins, even if they themselves repent, they will not die for the sins. Hmm. Are you me now? Are you me now? <laughs> so this seems like a contradiction. This seems like a contradiction. But maybe it is not like a contradiction. Maybe it is not a contradiction. Maybe we read an assumption into the earlier text that we read. Maybe we should go and read those earlier texts again and read it in context and see what God was actually saying. Because there are two options here and we have to be honest with ourselves and not deceive ourselves. Is either... God is contradicting himself and God changed his mind which is unlikely because we know God or one of these scriptures is wrong we don't understand this well since this one is unequivocal and clear not only will a child not suffer for his parents sin if the wicked man repents he will be forgiven then let's go back and read the places that we read earlier let's go back to Exodus 20, 20 again and let's read it properly. You know what I want God to help me do for you? If you are listening to me right now, if there's anybody out there and you are listening to me and there is a corner in your mind where you feel that there's something evil happening to you because of your parents, I want to kill it. I want to kill it. Like, after this message, it will die completely Exodus chapter 20 you shall not make verse 4 you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above on, or on earth beneath in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those 
who hates me of those who hate me look at verse 6 he now says but showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandments so that means if the children love God they will see love of God do you see that church all together that means he says he will show love to those that love me so that means that if the children keep God's commandments and they love God they will see the love of God isn't it so when he now says punishing the children for the sin of the parents what is the sin of the parents it is what idolatry what is the sin that the parents have committed it is teaching their children idolatry church are you getting what I'm saying to you when you teach your children idolatry your children will also be what idolaters <laughs> are you me now look at this he says to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me so it is the idolaters who will be judged and the reason why there can be a connection between the parents and the children is that the parents teach the children idolatry so it is not judgment on innocent children it is judgment on children who received and learned idolatry from their parents the moment they begin to love God and keep his commandments, they will see the mercy of God. Church, all together. So, innocent children, have, God has never, ever commanded that innocent children should be judged for the sins of their guilty parents. God did not change his mind. You know what I just said to you? God did not change his mind. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The reason why it appears like this is because we are reading it in English without understanding of the context. When parents are, and that is something very strong that we must understand. Idolatry, the mindset of worshipping things apart from God, is such a terrible thing because it is one of the things that is communicated from one generation to another. This thing is the reason why most people assume that people's religion is a function of the religion of their parents. You know, people often say that thing, that you're a Christian because your parents are Christians, isn't it? Obviously, that is not true because we've seen a lot of people that were once Christians that are no more Christians. We've seen a lot of people that are Muslims that are now Christians. We've seen a lot of people that their parents were atheists that are not Christians. does not really follow. But that mindset, that statement is coming based on an observation. And what people observe in their lives, or what people have observed in the world, is that most of the time, more often than not, children tend to follow what their parents teach them. That is where the generational judgment comes. When children are committing the idolatry that their parents committed. Church, all together. So, innocent children are not judged for guilty parents. Let's read the other scriptures. It's, it's so clear. Exodus chapter 34.
Look at verse 6. And he passed. You know, many times we read the scriptures with an assumption. And we're not even seeing the message in the verses themselves. Look at verse 6. See what we are missing out. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the what? Compassionate and gracious Lord, slow to anger and abounding in love and what? Faithfulness. Maintaining love to what? Thousands and what? Forgiving what? Wickedness. Rebellion and sin. So, if the children, if God forgives rebellion and sin, why will a child be suffering for what their parents did when they are innocent? Even if the adults themselves, the parents themselves have what? Turn away from their sin. He says he's abounding in love and faithfulness. This idea that our God is faithful, God is abounding in love, God is merciful. It's not Jesus that brought it, in quotes. Jesus is not the first person to say it. The word has been the same from the beginning till now. There's this subtle mentality that the merciful God was introduced by Jesus. No, sir. No, ma. Since the beginning, since the law of Moses, God has made it clear. And what is he saying? God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and what? Sin. Hallelujah. So, a child, an innocent person, will not suffer for their parents' guilt. They will not. God is too merciful for that. God is too faithful for that. God is too compassionate for that. Abounding in love and is keeping in love his love towards thousands. In fact, the love and the good deeds of a parent is stronger in the effect on children than the, than the, mis, than the misdeeds of the parents. That's why he said what we read earlier. That to those that love me, I will show love to their thousand, thousand generation. But those that rebelled to their third and fourth generation. Do you see that? That means that the mercy is even stronger than judgment. I guess what I'm saying to you. Are you sure you understand what I'm saying to you? Look at the verse that now follows. Now it says, Yet he does not leave the guilty words unpunished. He says, Do you see that? He does not leave the guilty. Say the guilty. So when he now says, after that, he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents. He didn't see, he wasn't implying the innocent children. It is what? The guilty. I guess what I'm saying to you. Church, are you saying that? Does that make more sense? It is what? The guilty. I want you to say something to yourself right now, wherever you are. Close your eyes and say to yourself, I am not suffering my parents' sin. I want you to say it well. Unless you are not a child of God. Except you are not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Except you doubt your sainthood in Christ. If you are a child of God, if you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if God has called you apart from every family and nation on the earth and has sanctified you unto himself, I want you to say this thing with understanding. I am not suffering for my parents' sin. I will never suffer for my parents' sin because I am not the guilty. 
I am the righteous. I am the righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, you see that? All of them, let's go back to Numbers chapter 18. Numbers chapter 14. In all of them, what has happened is that people have read the scriptures with assumptions. When you take a look at it closer, when you look at it properly, what you will find is that God has never punished innocent children for the sins of the guilty parents. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 14 verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and what? Forgiving sin and what? Rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty on what? Punished. It is the guilty, not innocent children. So the clauses that are going after are speaking based on the observation in the context of the time of children who are doing, committing the sins of their, that their parents also committed. That's why he now says he will not leave the guilty unpunished and he will punish them to the third and the fourth generation. That punishment to the third and the fourth generation is not a comment on innocent children being punished for their parents' sin. It is a comment on children repeating the sins of their parents. Are you with me, church? So, if anything in this world is a generational cause, it is generational mindsets. Here I just said to you now. If anything in this world is a generational cause, eh? if there's anything like generational cause, one thing that would definitely be a generational cause is when parents teach their children evil mindsets and that they, are, they keep acting and doing things that brings evil on themselves. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? Church, are we together? Are you sure we're together? So, God is not judging the innocent for the sins of the guilty. He is not. Innocent children are not suffering for the sins of their parents. Look at, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let's just look at other scriptures in the Old Testament. You can see that I'm not even opening the New Testament at all. I want you to understand so that there was never a time so that you don't begin to see it's because of Jesus and then because there's a way you can see it's because of Jesus and not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that in the corner of your heart you, there's, you, your mind is still open to the picture of a God that at a particular point in time would permit that kind of thing to happen. It has never happened. Look at Isaiah chapter 65. Verse 6. See, it stands before me. I will not keep silence, but I will pay back in full. I will pay it into their laps. Both what? Your sins. And the sins of your what? Ancestors. So they are not guilty. He says both your sins. In the old, whenever you see generational judgment, it is generational bad behavior. Did you hear what I just said to you now? I want you to write it the way I said it. Whenever you see generational judgments, it is generational bad behavior. Whenever you see generational judgments in the old, it is generational bad behavior. In fact, the mercy of God is stronger than judgment. Do you know why? Look at the scriptures. The Bible tells us that 
when Solomon and Rehoboam and the children after them began to misbehave, it was the mercy that God had promised David that kept them. Such that, under, for judgment, if you commit a sin, you are judged immediately. Your parents' sin cannot, your parents' righteousness cannot cover you. Your parents, if you are righteous, your sin keeps you. So, under judgment, if you commit your own sin, you are judged. Your parents are righteous, they, are, they, are, they, they get their distance, they are, you know, they are recompense. Under judgment, if you are innocent, your parents' judgment cannot cover you. But see, when it comes to mercy, we see in the, in the scriptures where God promised mercy to David. And because of that, even when Solomon and Rehoboam were misbehaving, that mercy still covered them. So, it was not new. Jesus came to fulfill. Jesus came to maximize. Jesus came to bring the body and the fullness of all the shadows that were already in the law and the prophets. Do you see that? He says, because they burnt sacrifices on mountains and defied me on the hills, I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds. So it is both them and their ancestors that committed sin. So whenever you see generational judgment in the old, it is not generational, it is generational bad behavior. That's why what you teach your children is very important. Hey, are you getting what I'm saying to you? What you teach your children, what you teach your children is of great importance. What you teach your children is of great importance. The kind of actions, when people say, my parents were poor, my grandfather was broke, me too, I am broke. It's like as if poverty is in our family. Let me tell you what is most likely happening there. It's not because their grandfather was a babalawo and they have cursed them with the curse of, I'm coming to enchantment, or they did something bad and because of that, they will always be poor. That's not what is happening. It is because the family has been passing down a poverty mindset that is holding them down from generation to generation. Did you hear what I just said to you now? Did you hear what I said to you now? When someone says, my grandfather was poor, I am poor, me too, I am poor. We have generational cause for poverty. Listen to me. There is no generational judgment of poverty in your family. What you have is a generational bad mentality. There is something that there is something about the way you people view money and act with respect to money that is being transmitted from one generation to another that is holding you back. Church, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Leviticus 26. I'm not opening the New, the New Testament on purpose because I want to finish it. Leviticus 26, verse 39. Verse 39. Those of you who are left will waste away in the lands of their enemies because of their sins. Also because of their ancestors' sins, they will what? Waste away. What is the sin of their ancestors? Their ancestors taught them idolatry. 
their ancestors taught them idolatry. So, the sin that parents are committing is in teaching their children evil. Then the children act the same way and continue those evil actions that continues to ripple down and down to them. Church, are, we, are you with me? Jeremiah chapter 16. Verse 16, verse 10. When you tell these people all this and they ask you, why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord? This is a generation of people. These were the generation of people that came out for the exile that were making... So what happened was that these guys began to... They created the proverb and began to say, began to say eh, the things we are suffering in our lives. We are suffering it because our ancestors committed sin. So these were the people that made that scene that Ezekiel and Jeremiah were correcting. They were the ones that were now saying the, the, the parents have eaten sour grapes but the teeth of the children are set on edge. So God, and, God through Jeremiah and Ezekiel was correcting them. He says, when you tell these people all this, they ask you, why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? That means they, are, they believe in generational judgment. They are saying, God is punishing us. What did we do wrong? And what sin have we committed? Verse 11, God told Jeremiah, he said, Then say to them, It is because your ancestors forsook me, declares, declares the Lord, and followed other gods, and served and worshipped them. They forsook me and did not keep my law. Are you seeing that? But you have behaved more what? Wickedly. <laughs> Do you see that? But you have behaved more what? Wickedly than your ancestors. See how all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me. You have done more what? Wickedly. So the guys that were making the proverb, ah, um, um, the ancestors have eaten sour grapes. The children's teeth are set on edge. We, God is just punishing us. So we did not do anything. No. It's our parents that did something bad and God is punishing us. You say, oh God told Jeremiah. You say, tell them, your parents did something bad, but you, you are even worse. I am not, you are not innocent. I am not punishing you because you have done something. Church, I guess what I'm saying to you. This principle is what actually underlies the salvation that we have received in Christ. People kind of think that God has stopped punishing evil because Jesus died. No. The wages of sin is still death. The payment for sin is still death. It has not changed. Let me tell you what is happening now. We have a stay of execution. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? On the great white judgment throne, people will still receive for their evil deeds. Like Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 2, every man will still stand before God and get the reward of the deeds that they did in the flesh. This thing that the prophets are talking about has not stopped. It did not change. What we have is a stay of execution. The same way on the day of atonement, a, a ram will be killed for the sins of the people. In the same way now, we have an everlasting lamb that has been killed. So he has given us a stay of execution. But on the judgment day, everybody will still do what? Give account. So the guilty will never go what? Unpunished. But they that receive the righteousness that Christ has offered are what? Saved. I hear what I'm saying to you. 
listen to me there is no generational judgment in this bible in this bible from the old testament to the new testament there is no generational judgment if you see anywhere where children are being punished like their parents it's because the children are what more evil that saying the parent like, like that saying that ezekiel and jeremiah have corrected you hear it sometimes being preached in some places and they will say um, say um the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge therefore i decree your teeth will not be set on edge because of the sour grabba it was a saying of the people it was not god that said it did you hear i just said down hey i'm saying to you god is not punishing you for anything your father did god is not punishing you for anything that your grandparents did Let it die in your mind forever. Hallelujah. So, if generational cause is not generational judgments, right? If generational cause is not generational judgments, then maybe it is a generational enchantment, isn't it? Right? Maybe it's a generational enchantment. Maybe it is someone swore for my mama and my papa. That means person did some kind of enchantment on my parents and then because of that um, the enchantment is now flowing down let me tell you what I did so I sat down with my Bible and I looked through it from Genesis to Revelation old and new every angle every corner I tried my best in this Bible in this Bible there is no single example of generational enchantments I do not stand corrected because I know the work I did you know what let me not sound so proud I stand corrected when you can bring the evidence <laughs> I checked Genesis to Malachi there is no single place where you can curse a man and put enchantment on a man and because of that the children will be receiving the enchantments no place in fact what the law teaches is that a man cannot be cursed without reason look at Proverbs chapter 26 Proverbs chapter 26 verse 2 it says like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. That means that a child, like a darting, that means the way a bird is always flying and does not land, in the same way. A person that does not deserve an enchantment, an undeserved curse can never come to rest on a person, even under the law. So, there's nothing like because I'm born to a particular man's house, I'm a biologically born by a man, the cost that is on that man's mind, man's head will transfer to me. Or the cost that is on a woman's head will transfer to me. There's no place in the scriptures. So it turns out that all the evidence that we have for generational enchantment is basically anecdotal. That means it's based on people's experiences. It's based on what people have been saying, not based on God's word. But let God let God be who? God. 
Let God be who? God. See, in this Bible, a curse without cause shall not come. Even if I'm not even gotten into new creation realities now. Why does it look like as if when people are cursed, in quotes, when they are in Nigeria, they are doing them, witches from their village are doing them. When they relocate and they no longer believe in all this stuff, like as if the curse disappears. But the people who live in Nigeria with the mentality and the belief that there's one curse on their head, no matter where they go to, it still keeps following them. Have you not noticed? Have you not noticed that the belief in generational curse or enchantment is all the people who have experiences of generational curse or enchantment in their lives are all people that believe in a generational curse? Have you seen someone that does not believe in it that will now say, um, what is happening in my life because someone caused my ancestors? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let me read you a story. Numbers chapter 22. It's a long story, but I want us to read it. Because this issue is an issue of is an issue of the heart. I'm not going to use too much exegesis and rationality to deliver someone whose heart has been marinated in this mentality. What I will use is to use the force of God's word, the display of God's heart for you to see. Numbers chapter 22. Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. Then Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, the son of Pebel, who was at Pethor near the Euphrates River in his native land. And Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is what? Is blessed. And whoever you curse is what? Cursed. So even in the old, there were some people that had this supernatural faculty to bless people and curse people. And the writers of the scriptures acknowledged that ability. <laughs> we'll see what happens. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fear of divination. And when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to, to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite official stayed with him. And God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? So when God is asking you a question, it's not because he does not know what he's doing. It's because he's doing the question to teach you a lesson. Do you understand that? Then Balaam said to God, 
Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people who has come out of Egypt, covers the land, now come and put a cross on them. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a cross on those people because they are what? Blessed. Because they are what? Because they are what? A man that is blessed cannot be cursed. It is like light and darkness. Darkness cannot choke light. There is nothing like that. Darkness cannot choke light. If light shows up, darkness is dispelled. I want you to understand that curse, a curse is not something by itself. A curse is the absence of the blessing of God. Do you understand to you now? Corruption and death is a function of the absence of life. That's why you cannot curse someone that is blessed. You cannot. It's not. Um, it's not. Um, 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 uh, you can curse the person, but um, the person can evade it. That's not what he's saying. You cannot curse someone that is blessed. You cannot. Why? Because you cannot use darkness to put off light. You cannot use death to kill life. When a tree has been cut down, cut down, it is withering and dying. But at the scent of water, it comes back towards life. In the same way. If a man is blessed, Causes cannot be there. It's not, um, it cannot. It cannot. The story goes on. After they've said, in the next day, Balaam sent them, um, Balaam sent them back. And um, they went back to Balak, and Balak said, give them more money, and said, go back to Balaam again. And then Balaam came back again. And Balaam came back to him, and then Balaam, and God now said, Balaam went to go and ask God again, should I cause them? What are you, God said, what are you, what kind of stupid question are you asking me? Oh yeah, let's be going. Go there, let's go. Let's go. And I said, okay, took on his donkey, and was going. Angel showed up on the road, blocked them on the road, and they could not go. And the donkey was trying to find the way and was brushing Balaam's leg against the wall. And Balaam got angry and was beating the donkey. And the donkey's mouth just opened. But I said, oh, God, why did they beat me now? Wait in the app. Wait in the soft. There's an angel in front of us. The angel did not grin me past. He said, the angel is holding a sword. If I pass, he will cut my neck. And God opened Balaam's eyes. And I saw an angel. I said, yeah. Why are you beating this donkey now? Stop beating this donkey. I'm the one that is blocking your way. You're asking me a stupid question. I told you don't go and curse somebody. You're calling me back to ask me, should I go and curse them? Do you think I changed my mind? He said, let's go. Oh, yeah, let's go to the place. Go there. Oh, yeah, stand. Next thing. <laughs> Blessings. You cannot curse someone that is blessed. He got to the place and wanted water to open his mouth. Guess what? Blessing. Do you know what that means? That means that if you're a child of God, even if a witch is standing in a village and open your mouth and say, Joanna, I want to curse you. Guess what will come out? <laughs> you don't know what is going on here. They say a man is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God is living inside of a man. God is living inside of a man. You want to curse him with what? With what? Crazy? Do you know the problem with people? Do you know the problem of people that believe in all this um, enchantment and all this stuff? There's just one problem with them. Is that they don't believe in God. They don't know God. 
when they think of God, Yahweh, the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are thinking of an entity on Obatala's level. So, Eshu and Shongo are fighting. So, when Shongo is doing something, Obatala has to go and prepare himself because Ogun too can fight. So, when Ogun and Shongo is fighting, Ogun will, Ogun will go with his um, metal sword and Shongo will go with his axe. And then, you know, Shongo will bring thunder and fire on Ogun. And Ogun, because he can conduct metal, he will receive the electricity and the heat and divert it back to Shongo. So, there is a kind of level playing field between these entities. <laughs> you are thinking of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are thinking of an entity on the witches in your village's level. That's your problem. You are thinking of that witch. And you are thinking of that witch somehow as Jesus meets in your mind. That's your problem. You don't know God. I doubt you are saved. Do you know who God is? You see, there's not a problem with this thing. And I will keep saying it. God is not your mate. It's because you don't believe in God. They said you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and powers? And you think that one witch, one dirty person that does not brush at it will go somewhere and um, will be saying something. Emmanuel, wherever you are, wherever you are, hey, you have watched Nigerian film and it has finished your brain. This you not think in Nigeria as you are sleeping in your bed. You just wake up. Then you too, you will not go to your 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 pastor and then you will not be praying. Oluwa, she, Oluwa, she. Then in the spiritual realm, you now see the angel and the demon. Demon tussle of war, tussle of war. But because God is a little bit stronger, he will now eventually win. Hi. You don't know God. <laughs> you don't know God. You don't know God. Guys, let me tell you something about all these demons. And I was explaining to you guys. That's one of the problems that God will help us share. Demons are not big entities with horns and sharp teeth and big wings like a bat and they are massive and when they roar, this whole house will shake. That's not what demons really are. That's not the real spiritual picture of demons when we are thinking of these things. The real picture of demons are like rats. They're like tiny rats. All they do is go about causing mischief. That's all they do. They go into the kitchen, they will eat the sack of rice and try to be eating the rice. You leave bread on the one place, they will go there to go and try and bite it. That's what they do. Have you ever seen a rat stand and challenge somebody? You put on the light and enter a place, the rat will stand and challenge you. The rat is just making his death fast. It's just making the death to be what? Fast. Because we have been looking for you to kill you since. You now want to stand on the way. So it makes the death easier for you. When you show up in a room, if there are rats in that room, what they do is what? They scamper and enter corners. That's what demons are. 
Listen to me. Unless you are not a child of God, of which you are, there is no place where you and a demon can ever have a contest. You cannot have a contest. There can never be a competition between you and anybody. So I'm telling you this so that you can understand. There is no scenario where one person in a village is doing voodoo against you and to hurt you. I guess what I'm saying to you. It's a trap. It's a trap. The devil is funding all these movies to give, to open a door in your heart so that you can give permission so that your heart can receive and entertain and allow the fact that demons can come and do something in your life so that thereby they can now have access. What they are looking for is your permission. That's why they are lying to you and telling you what they are not. He that is blessed cannot be cursed. That's what God told Abraham. The blessing of God is such that because the blessing is upon you, when people see you, they don't have a choice but to what? Bless you. That's why I say in blessing you are blessed. In blessing you are blessed. Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. See, I'm blessed. See, I'm blessed. God lives inside of me. No man can cross me. Hey, God, I want you to say it. I say I am blessed. God lives inside of me. No man can cross me. Look at verse 15. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but that which is to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Hallelujah. You and Satan are not in the same place. There's no contest. There's no competition. Listen to me and hear me well. If there's one picture in your mind, if there's an imagination in your mind, that there's someone somewhere that could go somewhere and the person will speak evil and the thing will somehow catch you where you are, is a lie. If anybody ever wakes up anywhere to stand up and try to curse you, what will come out of their mouth is blessing. Except they are stronger than God. 
Get that, just sit down. Anybody that God has, God has blessed you, and they can stand up and say something contrary to what God has said. They can, they can, their word can dilute what God has said about you. Their word can overshadow what God has said about you. A man, a witch or wizard, whatever he calls himself, can stand up and make pronunciations and his pronunciations will counteract what God has said. That man is God. Whatever he says can go. But if that man is not God, but if that man is not God, when he's opening his mouth, everything he's saying must conform in accordance to the will of God. You know, I just said that now. That's why no weapon fashioned against you can prosper. It cannot work. It cannot work. Do you know who God is? Do you know who God is? The one who created and uphold all things by the word of his power. The galaxies and the earth and the sun and the moons and all the stars and all the black holes, wherever they are, they are upheld by the word of his power. His word spoke them to life. All things are involving in, to catch up with what he has said. One person will now come and talk contrary to what, I don't understand, who do you think God is? Where do you think you are? I don't care the kind of anecdotal evidence that you have, the what someone has said or what God has not said. I'm here to tell you today, let God. I'm here to tell you it's a lie. I'm here to tell you it is a lie. Let me to give my own anecdotal evidence. I grew up in a town. I grew up in a rural, rural or state in a town. And I've seen all kinds of things. Heard all kinds of things. We have a great uncle that was a Babalao Jasma, a popular Babalao Jasma. His clients used to pass in front of our house with big cars, going to his house for, 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 for divination. One day, the man came to our church and said he wants to follow us to our church. And the man followed us to church. <laughs> and after the service, the man went to meet our pastor. Do you remember? He went to meet Mr. Pastor and said, Ah, Pastor, that thing you are using is strong. See, that thing we are using is good. I said, where I was sitting down, I was feeling it. Your this thing is strong. I said, Baba, <laughs> there is nothing here. It's the power of God. <laughs> the man is such a powerful jazz man that everybody knows him. So the man had his, the inner part of his mouth burnt. Like he has some um, scars, scar tissue in the, inside his mouth. So he talks funny because the inside of his mouth is burnt inside. The man died a couple of years ago. The rumor is that he also died when he was trying to do something at someone. The gist is that the man is so powerful that when he speaks at people, that he, he, he once spoke at someone, that what actually happened was that the thing backfired and the fire he spoke out burnt the inside of his mouth. No jokes. That's, what I'm that's the kind of jazz I'm talking about. The son that took over from him in the business died very young. That one has given, handed over to his very small boy, a teenager. That one has continued the father's work. He's, he's the one currently doing the work now. I know the house. Now, whether they are not seen, what did I say? Nothing. He's a scam. There is nothing. Nothing. There is no enchantment against Israel. There is no divination against Jacob. 
a child of God, if you are a child of God, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing, you cannot be cursed. Anybody that can curse Holy Spirit should try. You see, at the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are imagining that somebody can curse you. The Holy Spirit that is inside of you is doing what? What do you think he's doing here? Eh? You think, you think, you think he's doing hide and seek inside you? Can you hug a transformer? Can you? You carry on the hands of God. Can you? Because I want to curse the Holy Spirit. With which mouth do you want to die? I guess what I'm saying to you. So listen to me and listen to me well. If there's anything called generational curse in your life, it is generational bad mindset. It is generational bad mindset that has led to generational bad behavior. If you have noticed any trend that started in your parents and your grandparents that has continued up till now, if you notice any evil that is continuing from one generation to another generation, the answer is not to start carrying and saying, looking for any deliverance, unless you're not a child of God. You're a child of God, you have done all the deliverance you want to do. What you should do is, do is sit down and think, what am I doing wrong? If you see generational poverty, I am telling you, it's because you people in your house don't know how to make money. You people in your house don't know how to do business. You don't know how to learn skills. Hey, law school. That's you people's problem. If you have generational premarital pregnancy, there is no spirit that is pushing you people to premarital pregnancy. It is generational bad behavior. Your mothers and not your parents are not teaching your daughters to stop getting pregnant at 13. It's not demon that is opening your legs. You will sit down and hear God's word and renew your mind and you will stop behaving like the way your parents were behaving. I hear what I'm saying to you. If there is a biological um, um, congen congenital issue that you guys inherit, so in the example, in your family is, um, um, you guys, you know, inherit hypertension or diabetes or anything. See, you stand on God's word and you say, I am whole. There is nothing. What are the other things they say? Um, generational bad luck. You don't have any generational bad luck. You have generational bad behavior. How would you have bad luck when you're always talking anyhow? Just like your parents always talk anyhow. There are some of these traits that we learn from our parents. You see, listen to me. Listen to me and listen to me very well. There's no generational cause. It's generational bad behavior. There are a lot of things that you don't know are your problem but are actually a result of your behavior. It is analogous to what God was saying where the guilty will not go upon. It's actually your bad behavior. Your behavior is not good. You come from a family where they talk to people anyhow. They talk to people anyhow. You are very nasty. You are very nasty. And then you see, your mother was the kind of person that nobody liked her. And then you too, in your office, nobody likes you. So you are going for deliverance up and down, praying. But you are the kind of person in the office that any small talk, you are flared up, you are still abusing people, you are using stupid You cannot have divine favor. It's bad luck that will be following you. Because most people do what their parents do. I hope you know that. People do what their parents do. People don't do what their parents say. That's why a parent must never carry the culture of insulting each other, even if they have divorce. Listen to me now. This is advice for you. For you. Even if two people are divorced, you must never badmouth your parents in front of your, 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 your spouse or your partner in front of the children. Do you know why? Because when you are cursing your spouse in front of your children, you are cursing the children. Studies have actually shown that when women, divorced women, speak evil about their ex-husband in front of their sons, what happens is that those sons grow up to be dysfunctional. Do you know why? 
Because fathers, this is what fathers are. That's why God says that he, that he is the father of all the earth and of whom all the families of the earth are named. Fathers give identity to children. Fathers give identity to sons. That's why your, your son name is your father's name. When that boy stands in front of a mirror and the mother is always saying, and I'm speaking from some experience, when the mother is always saying, this man is this, this man is that, this man is this, this man is that. When that boy stands in front of a mirror, two things are going through his mind. I am like this man. This man is my father. So all his life will be either trying to run away from that thing or run away towards that behavior. Guess what? When he's trying to run away from that behavior, he finds himself running back towards that behavior. That's what they are calling generational curse. He said the father was a gang member, guard gang member. He died at 22. The son too is 16. He has joined gang. I will he not join gang? I will he not join gang? There's no curse. See, ah, when our great 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 grandfather did something, when the white man came, he did something, kiniko kiniko, and he stole. And because he stole, um, they now laid the curse on him that all the people in that family they can never rise to something something in that society. Guess what has happened to that family? And I say, yeah, that's why in their family, all of them, Oman Toshi, Oman Shuri Buruku, because of something that their great, great, great grandfather did, and one Babala will cost them. It's nonsense. Guess what is happening there? The problem that is going on there is that everybody in that family has inferiority mindsets. Everybody in that family is living under the burden and the headache that their great grandfather did something and they expect evil to happen in their life. Guess what? You will see what you expect. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, when a man thinks he's cursed, what will he see? That's how it works. If there is anything like generational curse, it is generational mindsets. Nobody is doomed to be everything. Your great-grandfather was a slave. You are not doomed to be. The man that started the Pentecostal uh, movement, what's his name again? The man that was blind in one eye. The black man. William J. Seymour. His father was a slave. The man that started his entire movement was a black man and his father was a slave. There's nothing like that in Christ. Your great-grandfather could have been anything. Your father is poor. Your father was very poor. There from you. Nothing like that. You will make your own choices and you will live your life. My father was a slave. My father was poor. There was a cost for my father. That's their problem. Everybody will stand before God and give accounts for their own thing. I don't care. You will make your decision. Free yourself. Stand in the liberty that Christ has made you free. You will make your own choice. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think of yourself as a product of your biological circumstance, as a product of your background, and a man that will never move forward in life, then that's how you will be. But if you think of yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, a man that is free indeed. A man that is free indeed. If you think of yourself as a man that God has redeemed from every family and out of every nation on the earth to live for him, if you think of yourself as a man that Christ has given with every blessing in spiritual places, then there's nothing holding you back. Church, are you with me? There's no cross against you. There's no divination against you. There's no enchantment against you. There's no judgment against you. 
There's no spell holding you back. There's no curse holding you back. There's nothing holding you back. You are free. You are free indeed. See, I'm free. I'm free. Nothing is holding me back. See, listen to me. Your parents might have misbehaved. Your parents might have done a lot of evil. Your parents might have made a lot of bad choices, but you will not make those choices. Some people here, you have pictures of the time when your parents were great and they did well. And then all of a sudden, they began to make some bad decisions in their marriages, bad decisions in their career. And because of that, everything that went downward. And you are worried that maybe I'll make those kind of decisions. Maybe that's not, listen to me, that is not how you will turn out. You will not turn out like that. You, your own path will be like that of a just. That shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Your children's story of you is that you continue to get, you, you continue, you got greater and greater even until the day that you died. Your story will not be the story like those that say they were once great and then they had nothing. That will not be your story. Anybody afraid that they will die young because their parents died young, listen to me, you will not die young. You will live old. You are a child of God. Your life is in God's hands. So you will fulfill the purpose of God for you. You will not live out your parents' wars. You will not fight your parents' battles. You will not live out their lifestyle. You will fulfill the purpose of God for you in the name of Jesus. Say, I will fulfill the purpose of God for me. I will fulfill the purpose of God for me. I was about to your head and just pray for yourself wherever you are. I feel released. I feel like I've, I've, done, I've done what I was supposed to do. I don't need to go through the many scriptures. Come on, say, I will, leave, I will fulfill the purpose of God for me. That's the prayer I want you to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. I will fulfill the purpose of God for me. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. In the name of Jesus. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. Nothing in my family is holding me down. Nothing in my ancestry is holding me down. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my own life. My ancestry is not holding me down. Nothing in my parents' life is holding me down. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my own life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I will do what God will have me do. I will not die young because my parents did. I will not be poor and broke because my parents were. I will not, there's nothing, no enchantment against me because I'm the one blessed. I am the one blessed. I am the one blessed. I am the one blessed in the name of Jesus. I am the one that is blessed in the name of Jesus. I am the one that is blessed in the name of Jesus. I am the one that is blessed in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Glory to Jesus. 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 Oh God, I give you praise. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. Hallelujah. I will fulfill the purpose of God for my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I've been redeemed from my biological family into the family of Christ. So nothing is holding me down. Oh Father, I give you praise. Father, I give you praise. Jesus, we give you praise. Jesus, we give you praise. Oh, glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. Hallelujah to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, 
follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you. Yeah.